So, if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, or have some source of uh, technology to be able to open up God's Word, would you open to Luke chapter 4? Luke chapter 4. And I will turn there myself. And as you are turning your pages, which is obviously a beautiful sound, Luke chapter 4. I've entitled this morning's study, To Be Filled. To Be Filled. And as we look at Luke chapter 4, and as we look at the example of Jesus, of what a life looks like as someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who walks in the Spirit, as we take a step and we look through uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, many of you are very familiar with this section of Scripture as the temptations of Jesus as he's faced uh, to face with the devil in the wilderness. As we looked even last week, as Pastor Blake continues to say, as he's studying through the book of Revelation, taking us through it, and he keeps on saying this word as it's, as it's a miserable thing to study. And we all know as believers what his true heart and meaning behind that is that, yes, it is miserable to sit in it as, an, as a perspective, as an unbeliever, reading it. And as sometimes you read it and be like, oh, that's a hard thing to sit in. Or that's a hard thing to really walk through. And the idea of knowing that it's going to come. But the hope that we have, even though, yeah, it is miserable to know that maybe some of your family and friends are not walking with the Lord, that they may have to endure that time and season, that you and I have the hope in Christ, that even though as we read that, there is a hope indwelt in us, that we have joy, an everlasting joy in him. And as he entitled last week's message, Good News, we want to continue in that, uh, that th- uh, theme as this morning, as it's to be filled. And as we look to next week, as we are to be filled, we are also to be led, as we'll see Jesus as first filled, and then he is led by the Spirit. Because that's the Christian walk, church. God's desire for myself and for you is to be filled. You know, oftentimes we try to fill ourselves with things not of the Lord. Whether it be a sport, whether it be material items, money, power, possession, pride. Those are things that try to to attempt to fill us. We would say in, in the church that it would fill and satisfy our flesh. If you're new to the church, the flesh is sin. And sin, God doesn't know it. He hates it. And so anything that we attempt to fill ourselves other than the Lord, the attempt to satisfy us, to replace that deep desire that God has put in every single one of us is idolatry. As he is the only one truly to be able to satisfy that desire. And so that's important for you and I this morning is that God's desire for you, God's desire for me is that we would be filled. And we are given the example of Jesus as he is avoiding any part of living in the flesh, we know that he was perfect and sinless through his life on earth and is today. That he avoided the temptation through the power of God's word. There was no sin found in him. So if there, but there's not, if there would be a gauge this morning, if you were to put yourself and see a gauge in your life of how much is really the spirit living and working through you, again, there's not, but if there was, what would your response be? Where would you be on that gauge? Would you be like, man, I'm just empty. I am running on empty. I'm on fumes. Yeah, I come to Sunday morning service. I even attend men's Bible study. Man, I, my, my, my kids, are. I, I send them off to youth group, whatever it is, but I'm just continuously empty. No strength found in me at all. Or others are like, yeah, I, I'm good every, every once in a while. I would say maybe I'm considered half full. 
Again, there's no gauge. I don't want you to think there is. And then maybe others of you are like the crowds in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John uh, were able to be used by God to uh, give strength into the layman's ankles, and he was able to get up. And if you notice in, uh, in Acts, the crowds were in wonder and in amazement at the work of the power of the Holy Spirit that just was worked through John and Peter. This is my desire through this morning's teaching, that you don't come back into these, these, this room this building, that you don't wake up tomorrow, yet we know that there are seasons and times in which we feel drained. But my desire is our desire, like our Savior Jesus, to be filled. And as we look, he was filled, and we see that there was a strength in him. And that's my prayer, is that we would be filled with wonder and amazement of the work of the Holy Spirit, not only in us, but in this building looking to your brothers and sisters and seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in them and through them, seeing what God's doing in them. And that was what was so cool about yesterday, being able to see and seeing, really, we were singing in the rain. It was really cool. And again, my flesh, I really don't want to be doing this right now, but I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And my flesh is this cold rain, right? There's all those things that are happening in the back of our head, those thoughts that come into our minds. Even yesterday, as we look, as it's so easy just to be controlled by our thoughts, to be controlled by our desires, as we were rolling through Atlanta, trying to get to uh, the other side, to the ministry. You know, we had five cars caravaning from the conference. We were taking 20 students over there. We are all kind of split up, not following. It's okay. We, were, we're getting, we know where we were going. And we were late. We were running about five minutes late. And, and every time, I'm just like, Lord, just give me a cool story to share to the congregation about what you're teaching me. Because that's how it always works. Every good pastor has a cool story about uh, relevant to this, the, the teaching. Uh, and I was like, Lord, I don't have my story. What's going on? And I, at this moment, of course, I wasn't thinking of it. I've been thinking about this days before. And I'm rolling up, and we're, the first, we're one of the first cars to arrive, if not the first. And I get out, and I see that they are already kind of packing up and rolling out. So my first instinct is, like, I got to find the lead guy and tell him, wait, 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 wait. We have like 10 people coming, uh, 10 more, five more cars coming, and just can you, can you wait? And he was gracious enough to wait. And so I was like, so where do you want us to go? We'll, we'll, we have 20 people coming. Uh, give us the greatest need. And here I am looking for him to tell me what to do, and this was his words. I can't tell you what to do. The Spirit's going to guide you. And I was in my mind, like, no, you tell me. You tell me where to go. Like, I don't want to, just, just you, you tell me, and, and, I'll, and I'll believe that it's the Spirit telling you where to go, just you tell me. And how often, and whatever the situation is, whatever the season is, or however small or however large the instance is, is often we are looking to someone or to something that's going to lead us and guide us. But yet we have the Spirit of God who is wanting to inform us, who's wanting to lead us and to guide us. And as simple as it was, as we were just going to, no, dude, just tell me the direction we're going to go. We're still going to serve the Lord no matter where we go. But yet the Spirit had a specific place for us to go. The Spirit brought you here this morning. Whether you've acknowledged it or not, you are awake because God's Spirit is in you. He has brought you here, and he has something to share and teach you through me, believe it or not. So again, I've had you turn to Luke chapter 4. And tonight, this morning's message is to be filled, and the idea is the hope and the, to be amazed and wonder of the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Look over just real quick, though, in chapter 3, verses 21 through 22, and then we'll jump into Luke 4. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. 
And while he prayed, the heavens was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We see Jesus getting into the water to be baptized by John the Baptist, getting into the water, and the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove, and the voice of God trembling. He says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. you imagine that scene? you imagine being John the Baptist? We call him JTB. John the Baptist. Just to be in the water as baptizing Jesus to see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descend like a dove. What does that look like? I'm imagining a dove. But it, just to imagine that. And not only that, but the voice of God trembling and saying, man, you are my beloved Son in whom I well pleased. The three persons of the Trinity being manifested at once. What a cool scene. You have the Holy Spirit descending, the voice of God trembling, and the Messiah baptized. And then we see that he has received the indwelling Holy Spirit. So look at me with uh, me in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. We are going to read all the way through and step back and take it step at a time. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit after being baptized, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. We can end on that. Then the devil, taking him upon the high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you, and the glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, or test the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, your power go forth. Fill the hearts of those who are yearning for your word this morning and those who are attempting to suppress and resist the power of the Holy Spirit. May their eyes be open and ears hear the power in which your word has. Let me pray, amen. So again, this title's message is to be filled, to be filled with the Spirit, to be almost like the, the crowds in Acts chapter three as we leave this building this, eve, this morning to be in wonder and amazement of the power of the Spirit working in us and through us, and even in you this morning as we look to the, the, our family and friends. Even in, in, as I teach, you know, you, I, I'm looking at my notes, I'm looking at the Word of God, uh, and I'm teaching, and, and in the back of my head, I have a little conversation going on in my head, right? 
what am I going to say next? Where am I going to go there? What's going there? And so sometimes I'm confused, but the Spirit is leading me and, and hopefully speaking through me because I know He is. As oftentimes as I look at my notes, there's nothing when I put down. And it's so crazy. But even I, I am in wonder and amazement how I'm even here this morning standing before you. Maybe even you, you're like, man, the church is the last place I would ever have been. And so you're in wonder and amazement that God has brought you here and he's kept you here. That he's using you and working through you. That your desire, your fleshly desire, had no position or desire to be ever to be in church, let alone spend time with the word of God, let alone walk with him. Let alone let him guide you and let yourself guide yourself. You know, that's the desire in which we all have at some point of our life. We have the desire to take control of our life. We have the desire to lead ourselves. We have our own desires in which are constantly at war with one another. My desire before 2016 was to never, ever have the desire to be a pastor. It was never. My desire was to do my thing, to be an architect. My desire was to do whatever it was. I don't know. But the Lord, at the moment in which, you know, as I was born again, as I received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit years before, was working in my heart. In a moment of time, as I was in Cambodia on a mission trip, I was so fearful to speak in front of anyone and everyone. I remember even in ninth grade, I was, we were in California, and I, I was in the spring semester, and I had to take a, a speech class, right? Where you would have to get up and share a speech. And it was the most terrifying thing in the world. Terrifying thing. I remember I was so excited when I had get to, got to skip or to kind of you know, not have to go to class, or my mom didn't know that I didn't go to class, because I was so fearful to talk in front of people. Years later, as we look into, and I look into, 2016, where I was in Cambodia, and my professor, my teacher, my director of the Bible college came to me as we were kind of delegating who was going to teach where and, and what uh, people were going to go to this church or that church to serve there and one another. He came to me and says, hey, we have an opportunity to teach, and I want you to teach. I'm like, oh, no. That ain't going to happen. And right in my head. I'm honest, I didn't tell that to him. Oh, no, dude. No, in my head, it's like, oh, no. I'm, uh, who am I? But I remember I was teaching from Titus. And I remember being in a church nowhere the size of this in Cambodia. And we were getting together, and I was, you know, I had my notes, I had my Bible, I had a, a translator next to me. Uh, and as I was speaking and teaching, the translator would then speak. And I remember there was a time in which I was, as I was teaching, the Lord pressed upon my heart, Lincoln, you're going to be a pastor. Again, this was not my desire. Th this was the last place I wanted to be during this trip. Give me a little kid, give me a soccer ball, all day. All day, I will do that all day. But to, to teach and to be up in front of people, no way. Not my desire. But from that moment in 2016 in Cambodia, teaching the word of God, the Lord changed my desire. It was his will for me to be here right now. And that fills me with wonder and amazement, knowing that the spirit of God is working and at work in my life. How? Through faith. When? At salvation. And that's the so, such the truth for you this morning, is at salvation, as you are born again, as you place your faith and trust in him alone, you have the Spirit of God indwelling in you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't give him half himself to you at some points in your life. You have the power, as Acts would say, the power in you 
and dwelling in you. So I'm getting way beyond, again, my notes, but it's okay. As we look to be led by the Holy Spirit. So we read Luke 4, 1 through 13. As we take a step back and as we continue through, let's look at verses 1 through 2. Again. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. We are told Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is now led by the Holy Spirit. This morning, the idea is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice where Jesus was led. He wasn't led into temptation. He was led into the, te- into the wilderness, in which, where he was tempted. Often people will come up to me, but why would, why would the Spirit of God lead Jesus into temptation? No, 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 no. He wasn't led into temptation. The Spirit of God doesn't lead us into temptation. Jesus was led into the wilderness where he was tempted. The Spirit of God led him into the wilderness, not into temptation. This week, we are focusing on the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you come back next week, Lord willing, we're going to dive into the life as being led by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, and if you're like me, if you're tempted for a minute, it feels like 40 days. If you're tempted for an hour, it feels like a, a year. Here Jesus is tempted continuously for 40 days. But notice as he is filled with the Holy Spirit, led into the wilderness, and then tempted by the devil for 40 days. You don't see Jesus caught off. You don't see him surprised. You don't see that where it's written that Jesus was in shock that he was, surprised, that he was tempted by the devil. No. We, as believers, we're not to be caught off guard, put off to the side, or why am I being tempted? I go to church on Sunday mornings. Why am I being tempted with this wilderness season in my life? Why am I going through this suffering? You know, I, 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 I've been a believer for 20 years. Jesus isn't caught off. We were told in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 13, behind me, this is the New Living Translation, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. Are you going through any trials right now? Does your life feel like a fiery trial? as if something strange were already happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You see, a life yielded to the Holy Spirit doesn't promise a life in cruise control. When you are yielded to the Holy Spirit, it does not promise you a life in cruise control. Yet, Jesus being filled and led by the Spirit was immediately faced with temptation. You see, as, as we're told in First Peter, don't be surprised by the fiery trials, yet be very glad. The joy isn't in the trial. You see, pain is real, but the joy is that we are not alone through the trial. That is the joy. That is the joy that you and I have whether in a trial or not in a trial. But to be honest, living is a trial. We're all faced with a trial. Your trials aren't measured. But there is a joy is that we are not alone. You know, yesterday I had a student, and I was just, it was just him and I alone at this time, and 
he was sharing, you know, what the Lord's been doing in his life, and he's going off to college soon, and you can just imagine him, just what he's thinking through and walking through and going through, what the next steps the Lord has for him. And, and you know, I was sharing my experience and, and different things that were happening in my life, and I shared a recent story with him. And he said something that impacted me. He said that if I'm facing spiritual warfare, I'm in the right place. If you are facing spiritual warfare, you are in the right place because the devil doesn't want you there. And if you are being faced with the devil, like Jesus, man, count it joy. The very fact that the devil hates what you are doing, if you're not facing that, if you are not facing spiritual warfare, let that alone be a, a warning. Let that be a sign. Where are you at with the Lord? Where are you at with your walk? Have you fallen off a little bit? Have you slipped a little bit? Again, it's a yielded life to the Holy Spirit doesn't promise a life in cruise control. Recently, I drove from California to Georgia when I picked up a car. And if you've ever driven from California to Georgia, it's long. It's long. You know, I was with my brother, and we were in the car, and we hit moments and times in which you get to El Paso, and it says 856 miles to Beaumont, Texas. Great. Thank you. That's the other stretch of Texas. You know you're in Texas for about five days. We're in Texas. And, and you hit stretches of road, and you're just like this for three hours. And so you get comfortable. You know, most cars now have cruise control. And so what do you do? You hit about 95 miles, sorry, 75 miles per hour. Just kidding, kidding. Parents, I'm a safe driver. I drove your student yesterday, I promise. You get hit cruise control, some places 80 miles per hour. After a while, what happens? Cruise control is on, get left lane, start passing things, and you're cruising, you're doing your thing. Music's on, podcast is on, you're cruising. Then what happens? Maybe a knee comes up. Maybe your knees become your hands. Any one of those drivers in here? Your knees or your hands? Start driving with your knees? Regardless, the life yielded to the Holy Spirit, led, filled with the Holy Spirit, isn't a life in cruise control. That's not God's desire for you. It's not, not for me. It's to be filled, to be yielded. I believe that we have a problem in America with churches. And some of you are like, amen, yes we do. But guess what? You're not responsible for them. You're responsible for yourself. You're going to stand before the Lord. Where do you stand right now with your walk with the Lord? Again, are you yielded to the Holy Spirit? Are you leaning back in cruise control? Maybe you're afraid of spiritual warfare, so you've kind of avoided getting real with the Lord again. You're fearful of temptation that's going to come back into your life because you felt like every time you, you've opened your word and you started to get real again, you, you started to push away the things of this world, the material items that you were chasing after, and you're like, I don't want those anymore. I want to be with the Lord. But then in temptation, a trial comes, and you're like, oh, but it wasn't there when I was over here. So you put it down again. It's not God's desire for you. His desire is for you to be filled, and you must know that no matter the circumstance and the fiery trial you are in, don't be surprised because there is joy in those trials. You see, we can even look at the trials in which Jesus is facing right now in the wilderness, and you can believe that there was joy in his face. You can believe that there was joy in his life. Are you attempting to live Christian life in cruise control? 
Being a Christian isn't joining a country club. We got plenty of those around here. You want to? Go for it. It's not joining a country club. Country club, you buy in with things and possessions of this world. You buy enter in however you do it. As a born-again believer, as a Christian, you have been grafted into the body of Christ through the blood of Christ. And you know what that was? Through death. A spirit-filled life is dying to yourself so that the kingdom of God is proclaimed through your life. I don't believe that for us this morning, a spirit-filled life included being in cruise control. As we continue to read, Jesus was for sure not in cruise control. Rather, being filled with the Spirit, he was on guard against the schemes of the devil. Being tempted by the devil 40 days and 40 nights for the hours and the minutes in which took place during those days. And as we read on, we, you could say what follows is the highlights of the season of Jesus in the wilderness. So verses three through four, again. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, rather it can be said, since you are the son of God, the devil for sure is not questioned of who Jesus is. He knows who Jesus is. So if you are the son of God, since you are, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, isn't it written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Satan, since you are the son of God. How cruel is that? Here's Jesus coming out of the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, he's hungry. And Satan is like, turn that stone into bread. That's cruel. That's evil. In doing so, Jesus would be using the power of God for selfish reasons. Jesus truly being hungry, he truly was, truly fully man, easily could have turned that stone into bread. Easily. But sin is never justified. Rather, being filled with the Spirit, Jesus turned to the truth. And that's the playbook for you and I. Faced with temptation. Faced with the desire outside of the will of God. Faced with something that you know is sinful. Turn to the truth. Because when you turn to the truth, you're resisting the devil. And we're promised in James 4, 7, that when you resist the devil... He will flee from you. Battling Satan's temptation by quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, which is on the screen for you and I this morning. Deuteronomy 8.3, Jesus said to Satan, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you do not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that the man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by the, every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. The bread in which he is resembling is obviously, you know, manna, the bread alone equals material things. That man should not live by bread alone. Man should not live for the possessions of this world. Man should not live for material items, but by every word of the Lord. If you are not living, if you don't live by God's words, it's because you're fighting with God's word. You don't like it. You don't like what it tells you. You don't like what's impressing upon your hearts. We were told then, if that is the case, in Acts chapter 7, that you are resisting the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 7, you would say you would be considered a stiff-necked people. Now, you are stiff. You are not desiring to turn or to give in into the ways of the Lord. You are stuck on your path, on your own desirable path. Jesus battling Satan's temptation by the sword of the Spirit. Verse 5 through 8, handling the second temptation. Then 
the devil, look, it didn't work, so I'm going to try something else. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Don't know how that worked, but it happened. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you in the glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you would worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Satan says, Worship me, and I will hand over all the kingdoms of the world. You say, How could Satan do that? You know, Satan has the power. You know, he is the prince of the power of the air right now. He is in control of this world. You say, how? Adam and Eve handed it to him in the, Eve, in the garden. Satan is in control. He is in power. Right now, we are told in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. If you're not following the Lord, if you have not surrendered your life, your God is Satan himself. And that's scary. You see, Satan is inviting Jesus to win back the world without going to the cross. Jesus, the suffering is ahead of you to win back this world. Your kingdom may come and reign again. But hey, I'll give it to you right now. I'll give it to you right now if you just bow down and worship me. What is it in your life that is constantly at your doorfront and your heart saying, bow down to me? What is it? What's the desire enticing you, luring? What is that? Maybe that thorn in the flesh constantly saying, give in to me. I always tell the students, sin promises everything that it can't give you. Yeah, sure, Satan had the power to hand over but that wasn't the Father's plan for Jesus. The Father's plans for Jesus was to suffer first, then enter into his glory. And I will continue to say, and even in my own life, that the Father's plan is never for us to walk in sin. Ever. And you say, Lincoln, I've been hearing that since I was little. But it needs to be a constant reminder in your heart and in my heart, as you are walking in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, Satan offered Jesus a way out of the suffering. And entering into sin, giving into sin at a moment of time, it, it seems like it's getting out of the suffering of the temptation. Right? If, you, if you're like me and if you've been tempted before, or tempted as we all are, as you know that oftentimes it seems like the only way that temptation leaves you is if you give into it. If you just kind of like, okay, okay, this is it. I'll give into it one more time. What happens? It comes back stronger and stronger and stronger until you resist the devil and then he will flee from you. Giving into sin is never the way out. Therefore, as we ourselves should do, as, say, as, as, excuse me, as Jesus said to Satan, he said, get behind me, Satan. Again, James 4, 7. Jesus, using the word of God, quoting again from Deuteronomy 6, 13, he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. Continuing to temptation number three, verses nine through 13. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a high place of the, excuse me, on the pinnacle of the temple, a few hundred feet up, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Then Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. We can spend months on that right there. Satan says, hey, look, I, I, I see the, the, the form, the weapon you've been using against me. Now I mean, let me try to use it against you to see if maybe that will help. So Satan, knowing that Jesus had been using and quoting scripture, right, he is rightly dividing the word of truth against the devil. The devil now in return tries to use and twist the word of God to try to use it against Jesus. And Jesus is Jesus, and he knows the word of truth, and he knows what Satan is attempting and trying to do. That's why it's important for you and I to know the word of God. Satan is attempting to get Jesus to test God through signs and wonders. You imagine, Jesus, the crowds that would come once you throw yourself down and your angels come and, and you save yourself. You imagine the people, imagine the word being spread. Imagine the people coming and worshiping you, Jesus. It would be fantastic. Jesus, knowing the Father's will and plan for his life, knowing the word of God, rightly able to divide the word of truth. But Jesus, they will come all around to see you. Notice that Satan can only suggest to Jesus. He can't make Jesus do this. And it's the same thing for you and I. Satan can't make you sin. We sin. Satan lures and, and, and desires and entices us by our desires. Right? We know in James that it's, we, are, we are drawn in and lured in by our own desires into sin. We were at a conference, and, and I often say that the, the word lure, as you are, maybe you're a fisherman, I'm sure not, I'm scared of fish, weirdly enough. Um, freak me out, I don't like taking them off uh, the hook. Anyways, not in my notes again. But a lure, I always tell the students, listen, not that I'm a professional, but if I'm going to go catch a shark in the ocean, I'm not going to use stink bait. I already know that. What am I going to use? I'm going to use something that's going to entice and lure in that shark to want to come and grab that bait. It's the same thing that Satan knows for you and I. He knows what lures you, myself in. He knows what's luring to you, that, it's, that draws you in, draws myself in. So what happens? It's in front of us all day. It's just right there. And until we resist it, until we flee, and excuse me, until we resist it, it's until it flees and goes away. But guess what? As we've read, we know that Satan is waiting for the opportune time just to drop it right back in front of us. This is why as we look as Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, he is on guard. He understands the schemes of the devil. He knows it. He knows what the devil is doing. He's not caught off from guard. Even in the wilderness as he's hungry, as he's starving, you know, communing with the Lord. He's being tempted by the devil. What weapon is Jesus now being used against Satan? It's the word of God. Notice the tactic is using by Satan is scripture, taking it out of context to lure Jesus in. And he's citing from Psalm 91. But Jesus rejects Satan's attempt at twisting scripture. He's able to rightly divide scripture. Jesus, again, is quoting from Deuteronomy. He often apparently loved Deuteronomy saying, you must not test the Lord your God. 
we conclude by reading this morning again as Jesus as the example of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit of God. And you say, who is that? It's you and I. As, as believers in Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't come in and out. You are filled. The encouragement is that maybe, hey, just to notice, to acknowledge that this morning. And as you leave, filled with wonder and amazement, We conclude by reading again, he departed from him until an opportune time. This morning as you've walked in, where are you at? Are you facing a fiery trial? Are you in the wilderness season of life? Or maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you're just like, I am filled with wonder and amazement. Well, continue and know this is for you. That Satan will come back in an opportune time to try to lure, to, to draw you in Maybe by, by something years ago that you thought you had victory over and it comes back all of a sudden and now, oh, what? I thought this was gone. And it's come back. See, as we are filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, any scheme that the devil brings forth, you won't be caught off, not surprised, because the Lord is guiding and leading you and filling you. So that's conclusion. And then now I'll invite the worship team back up as we conclude this morning. I read a little quote, and it says this, with the word and the spirit together, you grow up. Maybe you need a little growing up to do, and I, look at me, I know, I do too, trust me, I know, always. But with the spirit and the word of God, you grow up. And as being spirit-filled, that's God's desire for you and I. His desire wasn't for us to be complacent in walking with him, it wasn't for Jesus to stay in the wilderness. As the Spirit led him into the wilderness, it led him out of the wilderness. He was still with him. And for you and I, he's with you this morning. And he desires to lead you and to flow from you as you deny your flesh, as you deny whatever is trying to satisfy you from this world, the material things, the bread of this world, whatever it may be, that God's desire is that he would be the only thing which fills you. You see, here it is. Satan is no match to a spirit-filled man or woman who knows the word of God. No match. And in conclusion, as believers, God's desire for all of us this morning is to be filled. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you have been born again, you have the Spirit of God indwelling in you this morning. Here's the encouragement. Here's the challenge for you and I as believers. It comes from thir Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. I don't have to list off your temptation. I don't have to list off what lures you in this morning. You probably already have done that in your heart this morning. But the Lord has revealed that to you. You see, hey, maybe you ha don't know the Lord. You see, the natural man, the natural woman doesn't understand the truth of God. We're told in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The flesh profits nothing, the Spirit gives life. Which will you feed? You see, this morning, church, I pray that you would leave filled with wonder and amazement at the Spirit working in you this morning. If you haven't received the Lord as your personal Savior, this morning is the morning for that. 
is the day of the Lord, the day of salvation. Whatever that may be, whatever it is, you just come find any of us. Maybe it's a friend who brought you your family. You know, maybe they've been praying for you a while. Today is the day of salvation. Believers, we have open communion. You can take it with your family. You come and take. Again, this isn't the time to spiritually gaze into the floor or wait for a spiritual feeling to come upon you. This is the time to remember what Jesus did on the cross for you and I. And even an opportunity to deny your flesh, to come take the cup and ask the Lord to come and fill you as he already has, that then you would then walk it out. Again, next week we will look at some practical ways in which you and I can then now be led by the Holy Spirit. So Father, thank you for this morning. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you have given us your spirit, that it's indwelling in us, that it resides in us this morning. Father God, I pray for anyone who feels discouraged, maybe just feels weak and unable to walk this Christian life, but Lord, you would encourage them through your word, and now it's not them. It's by your spirit we walk. And we are told in which that is power. Lord, you are more powerful than our flesh. You are more powerful than our temptation. And God, we get to look at the example of Jesus who walked on this earth, who faced temptation, and was able to resist by the truth. May we as believers, as we know our temptations, we know what lure us in, we know our weaknesses, may we never justify, may we never give in so that the temptation would leave us, but that we would press into you, Jesus, this morning and for the rest of our lives. We're not gonna walk out unaware and, and say that nothing else will come into my life that is gonna test me. It's gonna cause me to be uncomfortable. But we know that we are going to count it joy knowing that the testing of our lives, whatever test may come forth, is only perfecting us and making us draw closer to you, Lord. So Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.